So when I was in first grade, I got to go on a, a, a retreat to Sacramento, New Mexico. For those of you uh, who've never been there, Sacramento, New Mexico is a United Methodist campground in the mountains. So if, if you're a skier, you've maybe heard of Riedoso or Ski Apache. Uh, this is not too far from there. And I loved going to Sacramento. Was, like I said, it was a Methodist campground. And so I had senior high retreats there and middle school retreats and church retreats and school retreats. But every year, my dad would do a, a trip with the student council. He is a student activities director at Lydia Patterson Institute, which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last United Methodist high school in the United States. Uh, so my dad's a student activities director there, and every, uh, every year he would take students from the student council, and it was a work trip. So uh, there was uh, really two big things that happened. Uh, on Saturday, students would work most of the day kind of cleaning up the facilities and uh, doing some work up in the woods and just kind of making the facilities look nice. And then after that, they would get together and uh, they would have some free time. There was like, basketball courts and soccer fields and uh, there was a pond where you could go fishing. There was a skating rink. Some students would go into the chapel and just uh, like play music. Um, let me see, some others would, uh, there was a big fireplace, I'll never forget, in the cafeteria. And that was so much fun. And so I loved going on these retreats, on these camps. So this one year in particular, I'm pretty sure I was in first grade. My, uh, my dad took us and gave everybody some free time. And he said, Fernie, you know the place well enough. Go and uh, have fun. So I decided that I was going to go to the pond and uh, I was going to go check out the fish. Now, if you know me, you know that that's actually really weird because I'm afraid of fish. I don't like fish. I don't know what that phobia is called, but I have it. I, I like fish make me really uncomfortable. The idea of like fish swimming around me, like I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. I do not like fish. I like to eat fish. I don't like to be around live fish. So anyway, I decided I'm going to go to the pond. I'm going to get as close as I can and I'm going to watch all the fish swim. So I take a step and I, I feel safe and I'm watching the fish, right? And, and I take another step. I'm getting closer, and I keep, I keep inching closer and closer and closer, and, and before I knew it, I was pretty close. And then I took one more step, and I fell in the water. And I panicked. Like, there was fish around me. I got out of that water as fast as I could. I ran back to the cabin. My dad looked at me. He said, what happened? I was like, I ran out of grass. And he just looked at me, laughed, and let me go change. I ran out of grass. Now, for those of you who uh, lived in Louisiana your whole life, you know uh, what a marsh is, right? It's, it's water. Uh, there's a lot of grass. There's, there's, um, there's even dirt. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not from Louisiana. I'm from West Texas, where it is very dry. And uh, your typical Saturday evening rain shower in Baton Rouge would flood El Paso completely. So I don't know much about water, but uh, I do know that... Um, in that moment, I took that step, I stepped into the marsh, and I was drenched, right? I panicked, I covered myself in water, not on purpose, and I ran into the cabin. But what I've been thinking about is what a difference one step can make. What a difference one step can make, right? I was fine on dry ground, and, and I was close enough to the fish where I wasn't too uncomfortable, but that one step made me fall in the water, one step, one step can make a huge difference. 
For the last couple of weeks, we have been going through this sermon series called Plan B. And we have been looking at what it looks like when uh, our, our initial plans fall apart, when they fail, when they no longer work. And God is calling us into something different, into plan B, and, and, and what it takes to live into plan B and how we can begin to move into plan B. It's been a really fun sermon series. If you haven't listened to previous sermons, I want to invite you to uh, go on Spotify, go on Facebook, go on our YouTube page. You can watch all the sermons there. Um, but... Um, you know, it's been, it's been a fun journey. So week one, uh, we talked about the importance of letting go of our needs. So we looked at Moses in particular, if you remember, and uh, we talked about how Moses was comfortable. He was tending to the flock. He was married. He lived with his in-laws. And uh, it was in that moment that God calls him out of that to go to Egypt and to free the Israelites from Pharaoh. Right? God calls Moses to leave his needs behind and uh, go free the Israelites. And I think that's how plan B works. God says, I know you're comfortable. I know your plan works for you, but I want to call you out of that and into something bigger, something different. So the week one, we talked about, um, we talked about letting go of our needs uh, and trusting God with this new plan. Week two, we talked about how uh, we may not always have the gifts and graces necessary to accomplish plan B. Moses, after God says to Moses to go to Egypt and free the Israelites, uh, Moses uh, looks to God and says, God, I can't speak eloquently. And I love the phrase that uh, God says. He says, I will, I will teach you the words of your mouth, right? I will teach you how to speak. I will teach you what to say. And so week two, we talked about how, yes, we don't have the gifts and graces to live into plan B, but God will help us grow into it that uh, we don't need to have our gifts, our crafts perfected in order to be able to be good at plan B, that it relies on God and our trust of God being able to teach us and lead us through that. And then last week, we talked about letting go of our need for tangible proof that we're called by God into plan B. We talked about letting go of uh, needing some sort of tangible proof because when we do, when we're so focused on that tangible proof, we miss out the many ways that God is working. And, and so living into plan B requires us to, to, to stop our longing for that uh, uh, physical proof. And, and I think when we do that, we begin to see God moving in so many ways. But, but here's what it boils down to to me, okay? This is week four. It's the final day of our series. Here's what it all boils down to. We can be willing to, to leave our needs behind. We can be willing to trust that God will help us grow into our calling we can even uh, be willing to let go of our need for tangible proof, but we will never be able to live into plan B unless we're willing to take that first step. We will never be able to live into plan B unless we're willing to take that first step. And I think that is the scariest step of all. One step can make such a big difference. One step can make such a big difference. I want to read a scripture to you about uh, taking that one step. It comes from uh, Joshua chapter 3, and it, we're going to read from verses 12 through 17. So let me read this. So this is God talking to Joshua. So now, Joshua, select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles, of their feet, uh, the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. 
Now, let me stop here for a second because I want to give you some context. So the Israelites have been wandering through the desert, right? Uh, Moses went to Egypt. He led them out of slavery and was leading them to the promised land. So for the last 40 years, they have been wandering through the desert. And, and in this conversation that God is having with Joshua, uh, Joshua took over after Moses died, right? And, and God is telling Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land now. You're going to go into the promised land and you have to cross the Jordan to be able to get into the promised land. And, and he says, your priests, you're going to pick 12 priests and they have to step into the water. I will part the waters and then you will be able to cross. Did you catch that? God tells Joshua, you're going to pick 12 priests. They're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let me explain this for a second. The Ark of the Covenant was like a big box, and I'm going to oversimplify it. But the Ark was a big box, and it was really heavy, and uh, it was really important to the Israelite people. For the Israelites, the, this box is where the Ten Commandments were kept, but it was also where they believed God lived. It was God's dwelling place. And so uh, God says to Joshua, take 12 priests. They're going to carry that big box, the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to step into the Jordan, and the waters are going to part, and you're going to be able to walk through. You know, I find it uh, very interesting when I think about this story through the perspective of the priests. So just, just picture your, yourself as one of the priests for now. And, and Joshua comes to you and says, okay, here's the deal. We're finally going to make it into the promised land. And I need you to carry this big, heavy box with 11 other people. And you're going to step into the Jordan. And we're going to hope that the water stops running so that we can all walk through. I don't know that I could do that if I'm being completely honest, right? I think I would have questions of Joshua, right? So I would say, well, okay, so what happens if the waters don't part, Joshua? Can I, can I run back out, right? Can I drop this Ark of the Covenant, this important box, and I just drop it and run to safety, right? I think I would probably ask questions like, how long do I have to stand in the water? And I know for a fact that I would probably ask Joshua, can I be the last one to step in? Right? Can everybody else go first? I'll be the guy in the very back holding this box. Taking that step can be really scary. When God calls us into plan B, God calls us to take that first step, that first step of faith, that first step of trust, and that first step can be very scary. It can be overwhelming. But here's what I find very fascinating about the request that God makes of Joshua. God says, Joshua, they're going to step into the water and I'm going to part the waters. And here's what I want you to remember. God can part waters. God can part waters. God can part waters. Waters. You see, up at this point, uh, it's not the first time God is going to part waters. We've seen it one previous time, right? In the Red Sea, when, when, when Moses and the Israelites are between the water and the Egyptians, and God says to Moses to, to strike his, uh, to, to do that, whatever that's called, and the waters part, right? And, and the waters do part. God can part waters. Even before that, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. When God was creating, it said God parted the waters. God is in the business of parting waters. 
God is in the business of seeing obstacles in front of us. When God calls us to plan B, God sees those obstacles and says, they're not obstacles for me. I've dealt with those things before. God can part waters. So when God calls us into this plan B, when God calls us into something new, it is so easy to be afraid because we wonder, what happens if the waters don't part? What happens if the problem doesn't get fixed? What happens if my past comes up? What happens if, what happens if, what happens if? We ask all these questions because we're afraid that maybe God can't do that, but, but the reality is that God can, God has, and God will continue to do so. God parts waters. If you're a Bible nerd like me, I want to invite you to, to do a Bible search. Check to see how many times God, uh, we can read about uh, waters being parted in Scripture. There's five references that I can find. God parts waters. When God calls you to step into plan B, it is so easy to look at the obstacles and say, I don't know that I can take that first step of faith, God. See, whatever step God is calling you, whatever calling God is leading you towards, whatever direction God is nudging you towards, God is saying to you, whatever obstacle you have, whatever worries you have, whatever things you think may get in the way, I've got it handled. God can part waters. Parting waters is not hard for God. This isn't difficult for God. God can part waters. Let me keep reading on the scripture because I want to prove to you that God can indeed part waters. This is from verse uh, 14. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant uh, were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had uh, come to the Jordan... And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. The waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam. While those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, or the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. Do you trust that God can part waters in your life? I think the Israelites did. I think those priests did. And even though they had this big, heavy load on their shoulders, they decided to take that one step. That one step into the water because they trusted that God could part that water. I think there's something fascinating about this story too. God doesn't just part waters. God parts waters in a big way. So we're told here that um, the, the waters, it, it tells us what cities the, the waters kind of part to. So let me kind of give you an example. If uh, we're told that the water kind of uh, parts about 16 miles upstream. So just to give you a reference point, that's like if you went from Brouhaha all the way to the Walker exit on I-12. If you were driving upstream in a vehicle going 60 miles an hour, it would take you about 27 to 30 minutes to drive all the way up to the waters. I mean, that's how vast 
the, the parting of the waters was. It wasn't just a little, it was, it was huge. God not just parts, doesn't only part waters. He can part waters in huge ways. But here's what has to happen. We need to take that step. We need to take that step into the water. And I don't know if you caught it, but the scripture says they need to be fully in the water, right? And I find this so fascinating because it's, it, it's important that their, foot, their feet are, are resting in the water, is what the scripture says, that they are resting in the water. See, they, God doesn't say keep one foot out and one foot in. They're not doing the hokey pokey, right? God doesn't say just kind of, you know, splash the water with your toes. God doesn't say, like, put it in really quickly and, and come out, right? God doesn't say any of this. God says, rest your feet in the water. You see, what God is saying is, uh, let's look at it this way. When my foot is on dry ground and my other foot's in the water, I have something to lean on, right? My own strength. You see, what God is telling the Israelites is, put both feet in the water. Let go of your comfort move into the discomfort. Let go of your, your, your safety. Let go of your, the things that, that make you feel comfortable and strong enough. That let go of the things that make you feel like you can depend on yourself and step into the water and trust me. You see, when God calls us to live into plan B, God reminds us that, that God can part waters, right? And we have to trust that. When God calls us, whatever God is calling us towards, whatever it may be, wherever it may be, however it may be, God calls us to trust that God can part the waters, that God can deal with the obstacles we may face. But more importantly, I believe, God is calling us to put our trust fully in God, to put both feet in the water, to let go of our comfort and move into discomfort because it is in the doing of that that we can see God do some amazing things. Now, I want to be intentional about something. This does not mean that you have to earn God's calling in your life. It doesn't mean you have to earn God's grace or God's love or God's mercy. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that we can see God move in some amazing ways when we're willing to, to stop thinking that we have enough strength, enough power to lead ourselves, and when we're able to just fully step in and say, okay, God, you lead me. God, you're in control. God, you take care of these obstacles. God, you tell me uh, what path to go down. God, you tell me, you lead me. When, when we're willing to do that, to step both feet into the water, to let go of our comfort, to step into discomfort, we can begin to see God do some amazing things. So here's the thing about plan B. Whatever God is calling you into, God will get you there. When God calls us somewhere, when God leads us somewhere, when God puts a vision in our hearts, God will make it happen. But we need to let go of thinking that we have the ability to get ourselves there. We have to take that first step into the river, that first step towards our obstacles, that first step uh, despite our fears. We have to be willing to take that first step And doing so, we will see God move. 
Beloved, whatever plan B looks like for you, I know it's scary. I know it can be hard. We're called to let go of our needs in order to step into this calling. Sometimes we have to remember that we don't have the gifts and graces to fully live into it. We're not always going to have a tangible sign telling us to jump in, to say yes to this plan. But whether those things happen or not, I pray that we may take that first step, that we may step into the waters, that we may put our trust in God, that we may step into plan B. Beloved, I know plan B will be beautiful, it will be difficult, it will be God-centered. I pray that you may take that step. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. May we step into plan B, God. We have fears, we have worries. God, those waters can be really wide, can be scary, but we want to take that first step. God, may we step into plan B with full confidence that you will get us through it and to it. God, we pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. And all God's people said, amen.